This is Jim Wills, and you are listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Enjoy yourself. Do what you want to do, and travel. Do what you love with as much passion as you have. Art is a communication from the subconscious of humanity. Art elucidates reality. It elucidates life. Peace and love to everyone. This episode is brought to you in part by the Crave Magazine Podcast on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcast. Okay, this week on the podcast, I am here with a brother of mine. This is going to be a different kind of podcast. This is an arts podcast, and he is definitely an artist. He owns a company called Master Plan Outdoor Living, and he creates an outdoor living space to improve people's lives. Uh, pools, patios, decks... But it's not just landscaping, it's it's definitely an architectural experience. I want to welcome Josh Gillow to the show. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, you doing, Jim? It's a pleasure to be on with you here. Ah, I'm doing great, man. Uh, we start the podcast off with an inspiration. So I'd love for you to share something that you're inspired by, that you carry with you. And it can be a quote, it can be a movie, a book, an artist, uh, a peer of yours. Just something or somebody that inspires you that you carry with you. What do you got? So, I mean, probably my greatest inspiration is Mother Nature in general. Okay. Just to, you know, watch your infinite wisdom out there in the world and to be able to capture some of that and bring it back into, you know, people's backyards to help them connect better with nature. So, I would say that's probably my biggest inspiration just to just to watch Mother Nature. What what about Mother, Mother Nature specifically inspires you? Well, I think there's so many pieces, but if you think about um, you know, different materials we have to work with when, as cultures, we create homes and we create spaces that are, you know, spaces to protect us from the elements and from danger and all of that. You know, each culture has their way of, of using different materials that are available to them to solve the same problem. And it's always very interesting to see how people do that, you know, and, and then yeah, they have to think about things that Mother Nature throws at them, like, you know, the rain and snow and these kinds of things to, to make sure that it makes sense. So we, since the house is already there, you know, the goal is then with outdoor living to create that same kind of feeling outside so that uh, people can just relax and there's really no big difference between indoor and outdoor when the weather's nice. Um, so again, Mother Nature works because we got to work with her and she also sometimes try to work against us. So sometimes she's a challenge and sometimes she's a, a benefit. But, you know, between that and just the plants and, you know, and all their beauty with with flowering and uh, the fact they can provide privacy and that they all have their own rhythm and their own likes and dislikes. It's just, it's very interesting to me. Sure, sure, sure. And I, the reason that I wanted to have you on this podcast is because, you know, this is an arts podcast and I typically speak to musicians or visual artists or performers or that type. But then seeing the work that you've done, uh, seeing the landscapes that you've created, uh, or at least seeing images of that work is I was just beautiful. Like the work was is really really Thank beautiful you. and stunning, and I would say it is definitely an art form. And so I wanted to have you on here to just kind of talk to people about the artistic side of of landscaping and architecture. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background of how you got started, how you got involved in this, and and take us kind of on your journey. Absolutely. So I, I can actually start out by saying it's all my mom's fault. Um, <laughs> okay. Because when, when I was in uh, in kindergarten, she 
kind of getting bored. And so she decided to start uh, growing plants on a windowsill inside the house and eventually rotted the windowsill out. So my father's like, <laughs> all right, I'll build you a greenhouse. And uh, that's where it started. And then she had more plants, so she started to sell them. And every year the business got bigger and bigger. And my brother and I, we grew up, you know, growing plants and selling them and learning sales and how to work with people and, and all of that good stuff and a great work ethic. And then at a certain point when we were in high school, it was like, you know, a lot of people were asking us if we would start installing these plants and start building patios for people. And, you know, I've always loved building things. So I said, sure, why not? So that's what we started doing. And, you know, and after that, I said, you know, I really, I really want to make sure I have a kind of a fallback and also to kind of chase after some of my, my interest in building things. So I went to school for architecture and engineering and graduated and decided, you know, I didn't want to be building stick houses forever. I love the outdoors more. So <laughs> Outdoor living really just kind of played very well with my upbringing in the garden center and my love of nature and being outside. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm more of a planner when it comes to laying things out. So being okay. able to plan outdoor spaces and, and focus on efficiencies and, you know, thinking about different philosophies uh, and, and how those spaces should function. It's not just, um, you know, just an open space that you can throw a chair and a table and, you know, like heck that the sun's right and all these kinds of things. It's really uh, very deep to make sure that we have good traffic flow through the spaces and that we have privacy in the right locations and that the space isn't too big or too small, um, mm -hmm. you know, cause it doesn't make sense to do those kinds of things and to make sure that we, you know, are protecting ourselves from the sun and spaces that we want to relax on an evening, you know, an afternoon or something like that, or when it's, when yeah. it's really, really yeah. bright and sunny. So it's really kind of plant pulling all those things together and, uh, you know, creating these custom designs. Everyone is different, uh, for, for, you know, all these different clients. And it's just, it's a ton of fun. It's my life's passion. I love doing it. I love solving problems and I love working with people. So, you know, it all kind of fell together and it's something I've been doing now for about 22 years and I love it. And yeah, I'll do it till I can't move anymore. <laughs> Your background is in architecture? Well, I went to school for architecture and, uh, you know, trained in all that with CAD. This was many years ago. It's probably about 20, 20 years ago. Sure. Um, so I trained in all of that, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a licensed architect in Pennsylvania, but I have okay. the education for uh, to, you know on that path, and decided to merge that into the outdoor living arena. All and, right, uh, okay, yeah. So yeah, and and uh, all of the outdoor living spaces that you create are all custom builds, correct? They are, yeah. They're all custom builds, and you know our signature uh, is that we really translate the existing architecture in the home right out into the landscape space out into that outdoor living space so it's not house and then we plug something on the back of the house where it looks kind of goofy or doesn't match or it was it looks like an obvious plug-in uh, our goal okay. is to make sure they merge and that they speak well together and that the um, you know they look like they belong together like they were designed by the same mind that's always the goal we take a lot of reflections and hints from the house and we'll bring them to the back and use materials that are already uh, native to the house and bring those in the back as well. So, you know, so it feels very fluid. It feels very, um, very uniform and holistic. That's always the goal. Yeah. Have you thought about your art, your architecture as art? I do. Yeah. I think of it as, as an art form because I think that, you know, there's many ways to solve the same problem that we, you know, are brought on board to, to solve. And I think that, you know, that the artistic touch comes from, understanding your existing conditions say architecture or the ground or water issues or you know existing vegetation and trying to maximize those existing 
conditions to benefit the project. So we're not saying, okay, got to come in and just clear the entire lot of all the trees and start fresh, but how do we integrate with what's there so it feels like it's natural, like this is what nature always wanted or Mother Nature always wanted for this space. Um, You know, and there's different things like, for instance, swimming pools. You know, in nature, water always collects at the lowest point. So if you put a swimming pool way up in the air, it's not going to make any sense at all. You know, if it's way out of grade. So it needs to be at a lower grade because that's normally where water would collect. So, you know, those types of things are just the easy traffic flow through spaces so that it's easy to utilize. and You're not walking through tables and these kinds of things are all super important, you know, and then being able to use the same color palette and material palette from the house and bring it right outside. Or if there's inspiration inside the house, maybe it's the chase of a fireplace or a hardwood floor that we want to have a nice seamless transition from indoor to outdoor where you can just walk right out the patio doors and go right on the deck at the same level it feels like the house never ends yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. you know and it's in the less obstacle you have in the way for people to engage their indoors to their outdoors you know taking steps out of the mix the higher probability you're going to enjoy it more and it's going to be more useful to your family looking at work on your site uh it does look totally seamless and integrated like it it's funny when i when you first when we first talked about this and i was looking at the Im- images I was like, oh, they're just images of the back of houses that are really beautiful. <laughs> not, <laughs> and, you know, not even realizing that that, that you, I think you know you've done at least in the images that I'm seeing, the integration is really there where you don't you don't see a difference like you had mentioned. Uh, you don't see that the this is the house and this was an addition that was put onto the house. It it looks like it was always there. It was always it was built there from when the day the house was built. You know, and like there's just and the work is beautiful. The integration of the lights. Thank you the integration of, of, like you said, the wood or the stone or whatever, just beautiful work. So we'll make sure to have links to your website in the show notes. But since I'm mentioning it, I want to just bring it up now. It's your business name, right? Master Plan Outdoor Living. Well, hey, I, I got a shorter one for you. It's, okay. uh, it's Master Plan PA, like Pennsylvania, masterplanpa.com. Okay, masterplanpa.com. And all I did was Google the name of your business and it popped right up. So yep. uh, masterplanpa.com. Correct. Is where people can find you, and it's Master Plan Outdoor Living. Correct. Uh, okay, cool. So cool. And we'll come back around to that. But uh, since we were talking about the website, or since I brought it up, I wanted to make sure to mention it. Awesome. Tell me, what what has been one of the one or two of the successes that you've had that to stand out in your mind? Well, I mean, over the years, we've won many awards through builders associations and home shows and things like that. And, and Becky does a lot of, uh, the office manager here, she does a lot of, um, awesome writing and so we've had the privilege of you know being featured in national magazines and local magazines and all these kinds yeah. of things which is kind of fun but really my biggest success is to bring people closer together and by doing it outdoors is really you know our, our niche so it's to see families posting pictures on Facebook or anywhere that you see the background is is you know our project and it's the little girl's birthday or it's uh, yeah. some kind of an event or a wedding or something there's nothing that fills my heart more than to see that and see people really engaging those spaces and and having their lives be better because of our work um, that's cool that that's my biggest success to be quite honest with you it's just to see people really enjoying what we've done do you stay in contact with clients ever where they come back and six months a year later or two years five years later some period in the future and you know, come back to you and thank you again or talk to you more about the work that you've done? Well, we sure do, yeah, oftentimes. And, you know, our goal is a lifelong relationship with our clients. It's not an in and out, you know, do the project and then we're gone as soon as the check clears. That's not how we work. Um, <laughs> That's good. Our goal is, you know, it's long term and our goal then is to, you know, 
to see how this project ages over time and to be there for questions and you know because it's outdoors and mother nature is always trying to beat things up so we sure. take it the the most um you know, focused preemptive approach in the beginning to make sure that we're avoiding possible pitfalls. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really the long-term play is our goal because we know that a happy client is going to tell five more people that are going to want some more things or something in their own backyard. So, you know, we just try to take care of everybody the best we possibly can and keep that connection as long as we can because, uh, you know, we offer maintenance after we're done with the project as well. So they don't have to go looking for that as well. And it's good to have the designer being kind of part of all that conversation because mm -hmm. I know yeah. where all the pipes are i know where all the wires are i know where all the structural supports are so it just makes it a lot easier it's more turnkey so my goal is to make sure that they can once the project is done if they're more worried about finding time to be out there than worry about taking care of things in order to be out there so we take that off their plate as well so yeah we're always up for a long-term relationship it's always our focus now does your company itself do all the building or or, or do you work with contractors to bring all that together are you sort yeah, of so the, we, the master plan as you as your business name? Do you do all the planning and then you bring all the parts together? That is correct. So our job in the beginning, our goal is to elicit a journey with our clients. You know, to sit down and kind of put our heads together and figure out the best solution for the space. And we'll have some revisions back and forth to make sure that we nail it. And once they love it, then we'll move forward. The next step, once that happens, is that we manage the project and we'll bring in our craftsmen, uh, most of which are Amish or Mennonites. Uh, to do a lot of the work that, um, you know, to do a lot of the construction. And again, we manage them. So our connection with a client, we're, you know, super communicative. We've, we're constantly connecting with them, understanding what's coming up. Hey, we won't be here tomorrow because of this, like these kinds of things. So they can yeah. enjoy the experience as well. And then, like I said, we bring in these guys and gals that are just top notch and they just do an incredible, incredible job. So we're very blessed to have them on board to have these ideas that are basically electronic ideas become reality where we can walk through them. So it's, uh, it's super fun. I love it. It's just amazing. But, um, yeah, so that we, you know, those guys come in and take care of it. And then we, we then manage it afterward as well for, for long-term maintenance. Well, as you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania as well, uh, in York County, Pennsylvania. And um, nice. very, clo very close to Amish <laughs> country as well. And the one thing I know about the Amish, they build great barns. <laughs> so I, I imagine that they are great builders all the way around as far as uh, – working on landscape and architectural design projects. No, they, um, they just certainly are. They're, you won't find better. Uh, and it's not even just their craftsmanship. It's also the fact that they're just incredible human beings. You know, they're sure. men and women of their word. They have incredible integrity. And, uh, you know, when it's, when it's said, it's done. And you don't have to worry about whether they're going to show up, whether they're going to make a mess of a site, whether they're going to be, you know, nasty to somebody, you know, none of that stuff. It's just that these people live in the same value system that I do. And yeah. it really helps, you know, it helps to bring those people to the table so that the clients can have a great experience and really, you know, keep extending the experience that they've had already with us here in the office, you know, through the design sure. process and all that. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It really, I'm so blessed. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. I, I know uh, just from being a homeowner, a lot of times the challenges that you have of finding a good contractor to, to make sure that the, the job not only gets done, but done right, done well, and they don't have to come back and that can be a challenge. So I think it's really cool that you have this pool of people that you can, uh, that you can call on that do have, like you said, the same values, the integrity that you can count on them. Shifting gears though, we talked about successes. Let's talk about challenges okay. with a lot of the artists. A lot of the challenges with artists there are, you know, the stereotypical, 
artist is not a good business person and that happens a lot and a lot of the artists I talk to have gone beyond that or have gotten over that or gotten beyond I'm a struggling artist and are now successful as artists you're obviously mm-hmm. successful in your job but I'm curious as it relates to to entrepreneurship because I think mm-hmm. that's that's what an artist is in general is also an entrepreneur you know they have to run their own business for you as a business person as an entrepreneur what challenges have you had to overcome well, I think it's it's really there's a couple different ones. I mean, some of the the bigger ones are most people are used to, you know, what they see at their neighbor's house. And, you know, if they look in the backyard, and you're like, oh, I just want something kind of like that. And then they bring me in. I'm not going to give them that most likely. I'm going to give them something that's totally custom to them in their house. And, and and most designers or landscapers that are doing outdoor living spaces, they aren't focused on that connection to the architecture of the home. They're not so focused on the um, the philosophy and the fact that they you need covered space to enjoy on a rainy day, you know, the outdoors or the sunny days. Like there's just so much thought that goes into it far beyond just building a patio or a deck or a roof. So, you know, these that's a lot what I find that some people are just thinking that they want something pretty basic um, and then we come in with some cool ideas. But, you know, sometimes they're not ready for it. You know, other times it's it's really pushing the limits of material. So, you know, if, if I can cantilever a certain distance, I, I work with engineers to figure out how we can cantilever further safely. Because it's something when different, you, say, you know. When you say cantilever, what do you mean by that? So cantilever basically is a beam that hangs past its structural uh, support out. It hangs out past. Like if you were to take okay. uh, like, a, like a T, the outside of the T top is a cantilever off the center support. So, okay. you know, that the idea there is that that's just an example. But to, to push materials and ideas further than they've been pushed or at least that we see them being pushed yeah. and just trying to you know have fun and, and be bold with design and, and kind of create your own mark as opposed to trying to fit in let's stand out let's do something fun and, and have people that are you know um, engineers every day that you can hand things off so they can stamp plans and you can make sure that everything's going to hold up it's not just a, a hope you know you don't go oh like no problem I can build this project for you and you can do all these crazy things and in three years it's all collapsing because it wasn't designed right you know engineered correctly so you know once the design is completed even though I have a background in engineering I have engineers it's all they do is is to make sure these things are going to be awesome and hold up for the test of time so sure you know it's really it's just constantly pushing that status quo and constantly pushing and challenging my design chops. You know, if I've done it once, I'm really not interested in doing it again. I want to do something brand yeah. new and different because that's what gets me up in the morning is solving new problems and helping, you know, new people. You know, another thing that's kind of funny and challenging wise is is changing uh, ordinances and townships and things like that where, you know, we have to have, we have new rules constantly to work with. We have uh, new provisions to work with. We've got to manage different things like stormwater and to, to manage any kind of rainfall and, these are things that can add to budget and have to, have to get really creative in order to integrate them into a project that they can, uh, you know, they don't look horrible, but actually still provide a function. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's one thing I dislike is, is, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, when it comes to ideas, they, they can, you know, as far as budgets and things like that go, there can be a lot of different directions for that. And establishing those with a client early is very important so that we have the same expectations going throughout. But you know, sometimes projects come in over budget because they're, you know, designed, they keep adding things to projects. And, and that's that's often uh, the problem. And, you know, we, we work through that with with clients. But, you know, it's often the the expectation, we'll call it the HGTV expectation of what things cost versus what they actually cost in the real world. Okay. And trying to trying to bridge that gap so people understand that they're getting a great value and that they're not over investing in their properties and all these kinds of things. But just 
you know, a lot of a lot of the budget talks are things that are you know less desirable. Let's put it that way. Um, sure. In general, you know, in a perfect world, that wouldn't be a factor. But obviously, you know, it is what it is, and we have to make sure that's that's part of the conversation. But you know, it, as a designer, as I mean, as any artist, you know, it's really a matter of the final piece. You know, it's it's how incredible is the final piece, and yeah. you know, certain things cost more to make incredible versus cool or awesome. You know what I mean? So it's really a matter right, of what right. the client's ultimate goal is, because there's so many ways to approach these these projects and, and it's really a matter of finding that balance between budget and value and what they're going to get at the end. So that's sometimes that's an interesting dance. Yeah. 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 What, what piece of advice would you give to someone who wants to do that, who wants to be their own boss, who wants to be their own, their own, uh, you know, create their own destiny when it comes to their passion? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing to do is understand why you're doing it. Okay. You know, it's think first, like what is my ultimate goal? You know, let's let's put a target out there and say, okay, what's the, the easiest path there? And if you can control more pieces, the path becomes simpler. So, uh, not that it'll be easy. There's there's no easy 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 route to doing it. But you know, the goal would be to to define that goal and then to move forward in a way that you're passionate. Because if you can get up every day, love what you do, and feel the passion that you're adding back to to humanity and, and making a, a positive impact on the world. That'll be enough driving force to keep you going when the times are tough, Yeah. when things aren't going right. You know, you just know that you're doing it in your heart of hearts for the right reason and you're helping people and you can love and appreciate each day, then everything works better. It's just, yeah, it'll get you through the tough times, but you got to be passionate about it. You got to find something that you're passionate about. And maybe it's not the art itself. Maybe it's just something in life and that art feeds through that so that you can be more uh, like for instance, if you just absolutely love helping people, you know, this could be your conduit into doing that. You know, you say, okay, well, sure. I do that through, in this case, outdoor living, or I do this through some type of oil painting or some kind of, of sculpture that you do. You know, so it really depends on what your what drives you as a human being, and if you can put that into a, a business model where you can um, create a business around that idea that constantly keeps adding back to your bucket, if you will, back to your bucket yeah. of, of happiness and heck, then just, just go and just enjoy every day and just smile. Just smile. I like that. Just smile. Yeah. <laughs> I also ask artists why we care, why we should care about art. And in this case, uh, why should we care about our outdoor living space? We as human beings, um, millions of years ago or thousands of years ago, depending on what you believe, you know, we lived in the woods. We lived out in nature. We were connected. We were grounded every single day. Mm-hmm. We were um, one with nature. Everything we got, we got from nature. We had to understand seasons. We had to understand weather. We had to understand why certain things were happening in order to survive. Well, that's not the case anymore. You know, anymore we we have everything we want by the click of an app somewhere, and it shows up to our door two days later. And you know, so much of that is lost. But it's happened so fast that our bodies have not been able to evolve to a point where we can actually be you know be okay with that. So I still think that. We as human beings need a connection with the earth. We need a connection with nature. And, you know, and with outdoor living, we get that opportunity, you know, whether it's a simple patio or it's a you know patio with a pool and roof and all kinds of stuff outdoors and connection and gardens and places you can go and, and raise vegetables, like whatever it might be for you. It's a way to get back out to, to Mother Earth again and to be able to reconnect on a, an energetic level and also just to be out of way. You can leave devices in the house and just be in nature and just mm-hmm. relax with your family and share those memories and you know just to be outside that's why when we go out on a hike we 
go swimming in a lake that we feel so rejuvenated on vacation. It's not because just because we're on vacation. It's because we're connecting back with our, you know, with the earth itself yeah. through grounding and all of that. And that's really where all of that relaxation comes from. So we're, we're able to do this uh, in your own home and in a way that's super convenient that you can come out and have a lot of your creature comforts just beyond the walls of your home. And it's just another way to reconnect people with nature again. Are most of your clients like suburban type homes or do you work in urban areas? Do you work in rural areas? Mostly suburban, mostly uh, you know developments and, and uh, individual lots. Yeah. Uh, out in some are very rural, and some are, are you know much more uh, much tighter areas. But you know overall, we have a great mix of things. We don't we haven't really worked too much in a, in the city, um, like in Philadelphia, or New York, or anything like that. But I think it'd be a lot of fun to do a rooftop garden. I've always um, pondered that and uh, <laughs> seen a lot of really cool ones. And it'd be it'd be another challenge. It'd be fun logistically just getting materials up there and solving the challenges that a rooftop would bring. So it's, sure. it's always been out there. I put it out to the universe just to uh, eventually send it my direction when when uh, the universe feels I'm ready for it. So, um, yeah, it's something, another challenge would be fun. I was going to ask you if there is something that you have yet to do that you'd like to do. It sounds like a rooftop garden in a city. is. It's- I think so. An outdoor living yeah, outdoor living space and on the top of a, um, a building would be a ton of fun. You know, yeah. it, it would be – it would just be fun because I haven't done that. And I think that it'd be um, something just so very different. It would test a lot of skills that I've learned in the, you know, out in the uh, suburban areas and bringing them up there and trying to create spaces. You know, we're all humans. We all have the same needs. So it's a matter of just trying to solve those problems in a different environment, which sounds to me really exciting. Sure, sure, absolutely. And you mentioned the, the outdoor spaces and living outdoors and how humanity has lived outside. I uh, I currently live in Colorado, as you know, and a big part of Colorado, at least half of the state, is getting out into the mountains, and um, I, I love it. I always feel rejuvenated when I go out for a hike or go out to spend some time in nature. So, I can totally relate there, and I think that, that you're right. Like bringing that to our home space for people who can't go to the mountains or can't go out into nature and go for a hike in the woods or whatever, who don't necessarily have that nearby where they live. I think that's a really powerful thing. I don't know if it's Deepak Chopra or Wayne Dyer. One of the one of the sage gurus has talked about going out, and how it's important to go out and connect to nature. And I, I think it's Deepak Chopra has said, you know, you should go out as often as you can, barefoot, and just go stand in the grass for a while and and reconnect. And I try to do that on a regular basis and just get out there because it's so easy in our daily lives in the modern world that you talked about of just forgetting that connection to nature yep. and uh it's really it's powerful to go back and reconnect i don't know why i'm not sure i understand why but it is super powerful it sure is and you think about it we're we wear shoes everywhere so we're insulated from the ground we are in cars with rubber tires which is insulated from the ground we live in homes with any more less and less natural materials so again yep. we're insulated from that natural uh that natural energy from the ground so to get back out there and bare feet and just, you know, go swimming in a lake or in a pool or anything like that is just super recharging. And, you know, it's just all about that earth energy. So, Absolutely. you know, being able to open your patio door in the back of your house and have that available to you anytime you want is so super important, at least personally. I mean, you could run around your lawn too, but you know, that's fun and that gets boring. Where if you can go out and relax with your family and friends and create a space that you can live outdoors and get that energy and at the same time, enjoy the sunshine or not, or chase the kids <laughs> around or not. You know what I mean? Right. So you have just so many choices and, you know, it's, there's just so many, uh, so many cool upsides to doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
it's also um, like plants in general. You know, the, for those who are listening who have a lot of plants in their house, they will totally understand it. If you don't have a lot of plants in your house, um, go get a plant or two. Uh, it's just something about having that, having life other than human life or animal life, having plant life in your house. It it totally shifts the energy, and there's so many benefits to to having that. So. For people who live in urban areas or people who don't live out in rural or suburban areas, start with a plant and then move to your outdoor spaces. I think that's fantastic. No, definitely. I mean, there's something to be said about that. And, you know, just the energy to plant brings in itself and the fact that it's something natural inside in an area that's often not very natural is yeah. uh, just, again, it's a reminder deep down in our reptilian brain. It's a reminder of, of what was at some point. So sure. there's, there's definitely something to connect there with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now we talked a, bit, a little bit about this, but I wanted to bring it back around. Of what do you think holds most people back from becoming professional or or just being the best they can be? Uh, in your case, as an entrepreneur or even as an artist, what's maybe held you back, or what do you think holds people back? I think what holds most artists back is uh, is fear of rejection, okay. of having an idea that's um, either too big or different than what other people do and they're just afraid to either put it up on the wall or build it or any of these kinds of things because they they may not succeed you know and it's you know as as a, a creative it's something that used to be in my mind often you know the fear of failure and these kinds of things what if i put it up and they don't like it what if i present it to them and they don't love it like what does that mean and you know over the years, I've realized it, it's more, like I mentioned before, it's more of a journey. So instead of saying, hey, this is your only option, you know, it's like, hey, here's our starting point. Let's see if you love this and let's move forward from there and be able to work as a team and collaborate to make sure that you love where we're going because we don't want to build anything that you don't absolutely love, Yeah. Um, you know, through the design process. So it's really important to make sure that's, you know, a huge part of it. Uh, so I think a lot of you know people are just, it's, it might be confidence. It might be just that fear of, of failure or rejection that, that holds them back. How did you overcome that? You said you had some of that at the beginning in the early days. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, to be honest with you, in the first years that I was doing you know, design work, I always had big ideas for spaces and I saw the true potential that could be there. And I was told no more often than yes. And so often I was, you know, they just, no, it's, it's too much or it's, it's, it's too big or we, you know, we're really looking for something a lot simpler. And, you know, it's like I felt like either I wasn't listening to the clients well or I just was with the wrong clients um, or I just couldn't add as much value as I really wanted to with those mm -hmm. relationships. So, you know, I, I would not stop, though, because I know I would just bring in two options at that point. I'd say, here's like the really cool option. Here's the pretty cool option. Right. <laughs> so and we would take a look and, and sometimes we would sometimes we would marry the two together and do a little of both. Um, but you know, I'm always in my truth and the truth is that if I see an opportunity for a space to be really something special, then I'm going to go for it and show you at least you're ultimately going to tell me as the client, whether that's what you love or don't, it's not my ideas that are forced on you. It's, it's the idea that I want to show you what it can be. Cause that's why you've hired me. You want to see the best the space can possibly be. And you know, and if we have to work forward or work backwards from that, that's fine. But it's just to make sure we understand that. So, you know, being told no so often, I would never give up on it because I knew one day I would get a yes. And when I got yeah. a yes for a larger project that was, you know, in my full truth, that that would be the win in my sale that keep me moving forward. And that's exactly what happened. And to this day, you know, I still pose big ideas to people and bold ideas. And I do get pushback. I get people that are like, you know, hey, well, that's great. But either A, the budget's way too high. We, we don't want to do that. 
or we get in a position where like, hey, it's just more than my family needs. And that's, again, that's where we start the conversation. Let's take a look at it. You know, it's, sure. it's not now, well, it sucks to be you. Now you, you've got this design, figure out what you want to do. You know, our, our um, promise to our clients is that when they engage us with a design deposit, because people do pay for my time, that when they give me a deposit for the design, that we are fully vested in creating a design that they love. Whether it's the first shot out of the box, they're like, that's the one, do it. Or whether it's five revisions later. It makes really no difference to us. We don't charge for revisions. But, you know, I, I make the commitment to them up front that I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to provide the best solution for you guys. And we're going to work together on this journey as a team. And we're going to come up with this plan so we can build it for you. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's ultimately, again, ultimately our goal is to create something that they love or design something that they love. And you know, getting around that and... Uh, you know, being able to work with them collaboratively has really solved a lot of that problem with, with, uh, with pushback, and it's really helped a lot of people be able to, um, to envision their space because most people don't have a great idea of uh, clear vision. They have a, not like a box of ideas that they might want back there, a box of features in their mm-hmm. backyard. Like if I want a pool and a fireplace and a deck and a, uh, you know, a lounge space, and I need privacy and I want lighting, and I would love to have an area where. Um, you know, where I can have some, maybe some heaters from the top for the winter time and, you know, these kinds of things. And they have this big list of wants, but they don't know how to put them together. And that's where, sure. you know, we can, we bring that value to the table. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the most, the, the highest level things that a lot of artists struggle with. That fear of rejection, you didn't mention it specifically, but I imagine at some point you realized that the rejection was not a rejection of you or your skills, Right. That is correct. Yeah, I mean, I think that initially in the beginning, I would take it more personally because if they rejected the design or they, they didn't like it, it was kind of like a reflection on me. And I've I've learned over the years, um, especially in the last year or two, that that's not really the case. You know, it's more about the situation than it is the messenger. So, you know, it's a matter of just trying to be able to separate that and know that um, – you know, know that that's the case and that you can say, okay, well, let's, let's try a second stab at it. Let's, let's, uh, let's go at this again and, and listen to, you know, what did work and what didn't work. And let's come up with a solution that makes sense for, you know, for your family and for your property. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned early days in your career. If you had 60 seconds with young Joshua back when he was first starting out, what advice would you give yourself? I would say live in your truth. The universe will take care of the rest. Uh, be bold and focus on adding more value than anybody else and trust your instincts. Um, love openly and unconditionally even when it's tough. Be the change you want to see in the world. Lead by example because it's easier to pull people in a direction than to push. Be grateful for every person, opportunity, success, and failure in your life. And welcome all experiences because you never know which one is going to turn everything on. Did you not? That would be to, my advice. Yeah. Did you not do those things when you were young? Were you not living in your truth? No, I think I was, but I think that I'm more clear on what that is now. Okay. You know, as I'm just turned forty, so as getting, you know, getting older and, uh, you know, doing more personal discovery type stuff, I've found that, uh, you know, I'm much clearer on what that word means to me yeah, personally. Yeah. And knowing, I think we, I think we all know when things feel right and feel like we're doing the right thing. But to be able to really put one word or one idea or one philosophy behind that word is really powerful because now it becomes very, very clear on what you will and what you won't do as a human being. Sure. Um, you know, to be in your truth and to be in your value set. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think at, at little points of these things, sure, throughout. But I, I know now I'm far clearer on what, um, you know, what my mission is. 
when it comes down to it too. You know, it just makes it a lot easier when you have that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've talked about mission. What is the mission of your business? It is to bring family and friends closer together, and we do that through outdoor living. Do you do you find that uh, the the people that you work with, the contractors that you work with, are they on board with that mission? Like before you even start the project, like you know, they talk about in business how everybody the business can move forward in a better way if everybody has the same kind of goal. Yeah. Do you make sure that that's instituted among all of the people that you work with? I do. Yeah. I mean, we're very blessed again to be working with such amazing people that share the same values. And, you know, one big thing is communication. You know, nobody likes a situation where somebody's working at their house and they don't communicate well and they're there either early or late or on days they're not supposed to be or that they become a hassle. They become a real pain in the neck for the homeowners to manage or not manage to, to have around the house. So, you know, our guys are very good. They communicate well. Um, we communicate mostly with the clients on schedules and stuff, but these guys, you know, they're in and out of the driveways they're in and out of the properties. They're just, they're very mindful of, of trying not to disrupt people's lives uh, in any way that they possibly can. So if there's anything they can do to make it easier on them, that's what they do. And it just comes naturally to them. Mm-hmm. So that's really been, you know, such a big, big plus yeah. uh, for us. And now you're in Pennsylvania. Is your business seasonal that it's, uh, you're kind of downtime in the winter or do you work through the winter? Uh, we typically work through the winter. If we're doing anything above ground, things like roof systems, decks, uh, structural entities, those types of things we can work straight through the winter as long as it's not snowing like crazy or brutal cold. Okay. So we can continue working that way. We do a lot of design work in the winter and engineering for spring with different systems. But um, we also take time to go through what is working with the business, things that we need to improve on. You know, those kinds of things is what we do in the wintertime, getting prepared. Because each year you think, oh, it's wintertime, but it's going to be slower, and it never is. It's yeah. always busy. You know, you're always just busier doing something different. But we're very blessed to have, you know, a lot of fun projects and a lot of great clients to work with right now. So, yeah. I think that you mentioned something there that stood out, which was that you often will spend time in the winter or this you know, quote-unquote downtime of reassessing the business and finding out what works and what doesn't work and how you can make those adjustments. And I think that is important whether you're an entrepreneur, as a business owner, traditional business owner, or as an artist, entrepreneur, what's working as far as selling your art, marketing your art, what's not working. I think it's good to reflect on that. And it doesn't have to be seasonal, but for your business it works on a seasonal basis. But I think that that's really important uh, to just kind of share with people of, yeah, we do reflect, we do look at what's working and what's not working, and then we kind of adjust to see if we can't make the things that aren't working work a little bit better. So thank you for that's sharing That's true. That. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, it's, there's things like you look at numbers coming through, you know, how many say how many calls you got in the season, how many turned into leads, how many leads you sat out and talked to, um, how many then became clients, like these kinds of things you go down through and you see if there's a big gap in there percentage wise. And if there is, you say, OK, there's something missing between the time that I make a phone call and the time that I meet with the client. Like there's a big drop off. What is it? So let's go yeah. back and look at what we're doing and figure out what that is. so We can bring those numbers up and we can serve more people. It's not you know, directly about just, just making more money. It's about how can we serve those people to the highest level. And if it's something we're doing wrong or not engaging them in the space that they are in, then we need to figure out what that space is so that we can adjust our conversation in order to meet them where they are so that we can add the most value we possibly can. So it's, it's constantly looking at those systems and you know what, uh, it's very often that system will work for a year or two perfectly flawlessly. And then all of a sudden things will change. And you just got to constantly be in the state of mind that the only constant is change and that things that work 
sometimes don't always continue to work. So you got to constantly be thinking, all right, well, that looks good. I, I kind of know in two years from now, there might, this might be a problem. So let's start thinking about solutions now. And if it doesn't become a problem, you're fine, but at least, uh, you're already starting to grow because if you're not growing, you're dying. So it's really sure. a matter of just constantly be pushing forward. Yeah. 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 I think that's important for an artist, uh, as what, what you're, what's working, keep doing it, but it may not always work. And so if it doesn't work, doesn't mean it's a failure or it doesn't mean it's no longer, you know, you have to look at why did it work and why is it not working now? And can I adjust my process so that I can continue to use something similar to this or do something similar to this in the future to, to, to continue on. Do you have a lot of referral clients? We do have a lot of referral clients. Uh, again, very blessed with uh, working with great people and then they have great friends too. So birds of a feather, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, it's quite, it's quite often that uh, we'll get referrals or we'll have somebody where, you know, they, they are in a position where a contractor didn't do a great job or they had their, you know, stuck or whatever. And they'll call up and we can either just give them good advice or we can go out and help them out in any way we can, you know, because our, to get a referral from a client is, is one of the biggest, you know, one of the nicest things that can happen. And know, we know that we're doing the right thing for people that they're out telling others about us. So we, we hold that very dear to our hearts here. So we try to help out in any way we can. And, um, yeah, we, we often do get a lot of referrals from that same reason. Yeah, I think that uh, referrals are super powerful for for artists in general, and that you know it's a it's a validation of your work, yeah. and that someone else likes your work enough to recommend your work to someone else. I think that's super powerful. It is, and that's and that's why we've always liked to keep our designs and stuff. You know, not keep them, but have them look different than everybody else's, because in order to to really be able to serve people, you have to be different. And if you aren't different, then you look like everybody else, and then you're fighting everybody else for the same kind of work. And we've always tried to set ourselves apart and do things differently. And and uh, you know that that makes it a little bit easier for people to refer us because like if you kind of want this look, you kind of got to go with somebody who does that. So as an artist, you know anybody out there, if they have a certain look that they kind of quote unquote own, or they're the only ones in their environment that can do it, then they have a leg up with uh, competitors, and they have a leg up with you know, people in general, because you own that market, you own that look and no one else, they can try to mimic it, but they won't get the philosophy, right? I mean, there's, there's always a secret language to all art sure. and it's, everybody has a different way of doing it. So, um, once, you know, people like what you're doing, then the next thing you know, they all want part of it. And, uh, you know, if you're different enough, then you don't have to worry about competition trying to steal your ideas because they don't know your philosophy and they can't think for you. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you kind of you kind of narrow out a little bit of a niche that way. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Well, what do you what are you working on today? Looking at 2019, what's coming up for for Josh Gillow and his uh, beautiful landscaping architectural business in the future? Well, we're constantly integrating with uh, you know more architecture and spaces and pushing the limits of of uh, you know what materials will do and what we have done already in the past and. Right now, we're very blessed to have a nice pipeline of, of you know projects coming in. We're hoping to get a bunch of them started over the winter and for spring and summer of next year. So, I mean, yeah, just constantly trying to reevaluate what we're doing and trying to make sure it is the best possible system on, you know, that we can find that we can add the most value to people's lives. Uh, that's possible. And it's it's constantly the same thing. It's it's my mission to make sure we're doing that, yeah. and to um, to constantly be keep coming up with fresh ideas and different ways to solve the same, solve the same problems so that each person can feel like they, they own a one of a kind, you know, one of a kind piece of art, as opposed to just a couple of flat planes in the backyard that you can stand on and put furniture on, you know what I mean? So something sure, that they can sure. be extreme, extremely proud of 
and that they can really, uh, you know, share those special moments with their families and friends. Wow, that was, uh, I like the way you finished there. So they can <laughs> create this great space. We can share that moment with family and friends. Any, any final words that you'd like to share? Any bits of advice that you'd like to share with the Crave audience? No, I mean, it's really a matter of finding something in life that you're fully passionate about and to decide that you're going to go forward and achieve whatever you're going to put your mind to. So if your goal is to, uh, you know, to, to be better with people or to become uh, a better artist or whatever it might be, to set it as a goal and then create it as a must and say, look, you know, I want to kind of be here in this time and then say, look, there's no wearying from this. It's going to be, this is going to be done in this time, hell or high water. Yeah. It, there's no other question to it. And once you create and take those goals and make them musts, it will be done. It's like it's already finished. So focusing and being that intent on what you're doing and figuring out ways, because it's amazing, as soon as you make those intents to the universe and you say, look, I'm going to be this or I'm going to achieve that, it is incredible how those opportunities just start popping up. And all of a sudden you see like, holy moly, that wasn't there yesterday and now it's here. You see it with a different set of eyes. Yeah. So it's really important to, to put that stake in the sand and have absolutely no, no way to get away from it because it's going to happen. And then you just have to figure out the path to get there. Um, if you can put that kind of focus on your future, as no matter what you do as your passion, then there is no stopping you. I mean, that could be the best thing I could tell people is just to absolutely decide what it's going to be for you and then don't take no for an answer. Just keep going straight ahead because you will get yeses and you will eventually get the chance to do exactly what you want to do. Um, but you're, you're going to have to fail a hell of a lot. You're going to have to be challenged a hell of a lot because there is no elevator to the top. It's a staircase and it's not always straight. <laughs> so you got to work a straight ahead and just the intent is the main thing. Focus on it. Say it's going to be done and do it. I love it. I love it. I love your positivity and I love the, the, the words of wisdom and advice that you bring because uh, – and, and this is a little bit different podcast in that – you're not. I, I still consider you very much an artist, and I'm sure you do as well. But you're not what what most people consider a traditional artist. But looking at your work, and uh, and we'll have some of this on our show notes as well as links, so people can get a hold of you further. So once again, so everybody can get a hold of you, the website again is masterplanpa.com. Right, PA like Pennsylvania. Masterplanpa.com. But just looking at the work that you've done, every job looks like it's a million dollar job. It's a beautiful integration of nature and art, and I, I think it's fabulous. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast, taking the time, uh, and thank you so much, Josh. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure, and I always enjoy chatting with you. You know that. So this has been a quite an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, buddy. The music for episode 29 is Philadelphia's own Swizzy Mac. The track, Bump. Find him on SoundCloud at Swizzy Mac is Happy. Are you ready to go deeper into the arts? Then sign up for the Crave Magazine Podcast Patreon. Starting with episode 26, we are offering a deeper dive into the artist conversation with extended bonus interviews. In addition, subscribers can get their hands on incredible limited edition prints, as well as original artwork from some of the Crave artists. As you know, my mission is to bring art to the world, and as a Crave Magazine Podcast patron, you will help make that happen. So please head on over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Crave Magazine Podcast. As always, be good to one another and take time to feed your soul with art. <laughs>